Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm good. This, How are you? I'm good. This is a little gay guide. And today we're going to interview, I'm going to interview you, Jack Chang, uh, mm -hmm. from Zakai. And how about we start just from the very, very beginning of a little bit about you, for those of those who don't know you, and then we'll go to the questions. Okay. Uh, I am a DJ producer. Well, I am a DJ producer now. I've been um, remixing and producing for the last four years, five years. Uh, I have been working as a DJ for over 23 years now. This is my, my 23rd year serving the community. Uh, so um, I am a touring type DJ. So for the longest time, I was uh, a headliner for a number of residencies in London before I started touring in 2004 when um, uh, an organization asked me if I would join the, the crazy idea, I remember the email, the crazy idea of bringing the Folsom Street Fair to Berlin for the first time. Wow. And would I, would I be the closing party DJ? Because the, the Folsom Street Fair in Europe is in Saturday and the party is uh, Saturday night. So um, yeah. Uh, to those who don't and, know in San Francisco, the ending party is on Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, go on. So uh, everything got a little uh, crazy very quickly after that. I started touring basically every single European leather, leather pride and fetish event uh, without exception. <laughs> so I, I, I literally, I, I did Into the Tank. Uh, I did Cologne Leather Pride. I did Hamburg Leather Meeting. Uh, did you ever go to that? Do you know? I, 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 when I was living in Berlin, that's the one I went to, and I think you were actually DJing for that one specifically. But that was way after we met. But we'll touch that later. Okay. Did you ever go to the party on the Cap San Diego? Like the on, the, on the no, I've not. Oh, oh wait, the, 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 the ship. The ship. The Cap the ship. San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I think the year that I went was the year after that. Either it got burnt down or something happened. Uh, and that the year, the only year that they did not do it on the ship, mm -hmm. that was that was mm -hmm. my, my my loss. Are they the stories that you seem to be grinning? Are there stories I, that good? I have some some great memories of a lot of these events. Um, so I I, I spent um, a, a number of years doing that and the, the regular dance parties, the regular gay parties. Um, I started doing circuit parties in the U.S. in two thousand and. 2007 um, and uh, I continued touring on both sides of the Atlantic and then I started in Asia in 2008 so yeah for, fast forward to, to 2020 and even though I'm not traveling for most of this year I've still clocked up uh, I think it's 26 countries uh, in in the in the the span of 23 years so yeah, it's 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 been a, a wild ride. The wild ride. I, I yeah. will start with an origination point that will will let's anchor it somewhere. Uh, mm -hmm. I will tell my version of meeting you, and you will tell me okay. your version of meeting you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, when I went to Israel for a project for work, uh, entrepreneurship. A company in Israel was launching a product in San Francisco. Uh, I was back then with uh, a previous partner of mine named Don. And we were in an open relationship. And long story short, I went to an event you were DJing at. Uh, 
two things came out of that event that are not related to you. One is okay. I met my one is I met my very first infatuation outside of a relationship, which begs its own conversation, polyamory mm-hmm. being what it is. When you first introduced to polyamory, that's just an interesting concept. Calling your own partner and go, I fell in love with someone, and that partner going, Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> that's just an awesome experience. That was one. Uh two, I didn't know that people can strut the line between dense and tribal specifically in our sex more positive environments there's a lot of tribal and that night the music which connects to you uh, Israel is very circuity Israel is very poppy uh, Israel did not have that underpinning or or ground level sexual drive to its music and you were right. the first time literally hands down the first time that I heard that combined and And if you remember what happened afterward with the CD, you can take it from there. Okay. Uh, so um, in 2000, uh, I told you I started working for Folsom Europe in 2004. In 2006, uh, I was at, I think, I was at the closing party that I was headlining Pig. And we were at a venue called uh, the Machine Hall, Machine Haller. And... I remember seeing a group of large, hairy, what looked like Mediterranean men uh, getting to grips with practically everyone worth getting grips to on, on the dance floor. Um, and it was quite fun to watch because, you know, this, this is what I've been doing for over two decades, just you know, watching people having sex while I'm, I'm spinning. Um, and I remember them disappearing... About an hour before the end of the party with what looked like a very large group of very large men so that was that was uh, my uh, first experience really of getting to see the dance floor because sometimes it depends on what club I'm in you can be on a stage you can be in a booth in the corner of the bar it, it depends on where I'm working so um, the party ended and I went back to the hotel and I um, On the Sunday, I decided to go for breakfast at Cafe Berrio, which is in Schoenberg, where uh, I was staying. And I don't know if you know Cafe Berrio or if my uh, people watching know Cafe Berrio. It, it was like the gay cafe in, in Schoenberg. There is an outdoor terrace in front of the cafe and oh. the sidewalk is... The sidewalk is literally like a, like a 40 meter catwalk. I mean, you just see these guys dress the nines on a Sunday morning with their dog parading themselves up and down this 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 and just everyone's just watching <laughs> as they go past watching. So I'm sitting there and I'm having breakfast. I'm a little hungover because back then I used to like drink like a fish when 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 I was uh, working. And uh, a couple of very familiar faces turned up at the, um, at the table next to me. And it was a group of very familiar-looking faces. And they were, again, these large-looking hairy men that I've never seen before. And they started talking about the party the night before. Now, 
because I was up on uh, up on stage, like ten meters above the dance floor, no one can really see me. No one can really tell what I look like or anything. So they started talking about the party and how great the music was, practically in front of me. Uh, and uh, two of them were partners, Tomas and Arez, and uh, they got talking really loudly. I mean, you know what. They talk loudly. I mean, once you get the, 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 the funny thing is the, the, the volume multiplies by the number of people trying to talk <laughs> over each other at the same time. It's really, it's really, it, it's one of these Mediterranean things like, and it's, it's not like a proportional thing either. It kind of doubles every six people, the noise level. So if you have like three people, you get the noise level here. If you get six people, the noise level quadruples. It doesn't just double because everyone is trying to talk on top of each other to twice as many people. So it's like a factor of four. It's not a factor of two. <laughs> anyway. You, you just described Latin, you just described Mediterranean <laughs> culture to a T with an exponential curve of, uh, of decibels. Of loudness. <laughs> yeah, of decibels. That's, that, that, that's what they're all like. My, my Italian friends, my Spanish friends, and especially my Israeli friends who are just so very, very social with each other. So they started talking so loud, I couldn't ignore what they were saying. And I leaned over and I, and I said, that was really wonderful to hear that I played some great music last night. And the person I later knew as Irez uh, turned around and he went, that was you. And I said, that, that was me. He said, you were at Pig Party. I said, I was standing. I didn't say that, you know, I spent like half the night watching them <laughs> get, <laughs> at each other, get, get uh, very, very friendly with, with, with the Berliners uh, that night. But they practically fell over me to say, thank you for an amazing evening. We've never heard anything like that. We were kind of expecting it to be like Electra House or Techno or something boring and Tribal came out. And it was just they they were they were telling me all kinds of compliments that that honestly I, I can't remember that far back. I can give but you one that I remember from myself <laughs> when we were in Tel Aviv at the end of that night when I was kissing that stranger at the end of the evening after we said hi to you, I literally yeah. remember I don't remember the context or the syntax of the sentence, but it went along the lines of I have never heard anything like this. This was the most earthy, gritty yet upbeat and happy which you know with tribal you you strut that line between is it dark is it sexy or is it uplifting and you managed to do all three and i just I, begged I, you for do you have anything and you gave me a cd okay. I I gave you a CD. Yeah. tomas uh said, also joined in the conversation along with the the other four that were in the group because there were six of them like i said and i was doing my best to to, to talk at all of them at the same time and Tomas piped up and he said, listen, it's my birthday in a few months' time. Would you be interested in coming to Tel Aviv to do it? And I said, sure. And I, I didn't hear of anything else. And I, I didn't, you know, I've, I'd only been to Israel once before. I did a, a pool party in 2005. But, I mean, a pool party is a pool party. It, it was a fairly small event. And it didn't have that. Yeah it, yeah, it didn't have that much in, uh, impact on me. Um, it was fun, I remember, but uh, I, I still wasn't that used to flying uh, medium or long haul. 
So e even that flight from London, where I lived at the time, it was pretty, um, pretty exhausting strenuous. to go there. It's strenuous to go there for like 36 hours and then fly back. Yes. Um, so he said he's going to be partnering with a, a, a club in the city and it's going to be a big thing. And he briefed me on it. He, he said, look, Tel Aviv has never had anything like this before. We've never had music here like this before. People have this spiritual connection to the rest of Europe because so many of them have European roots. And even though their blood is Israeli, they feel like they're part of Europe as well. So we want to bring a little corner of Berlin to Tel Aviv. And I said, well, so you want a Berlin DJ? And, and I, I, I believe I count as one. I mean, I've been spinning there for 16 years, so I, I would hope I still count you, you, as one. You've earned your badges. I think I've earned my badges. Yeah, you've <laughs> earned your badges. <laughs> so he then sent me the poster and uh, I'd never heard of the club before. It was called the Oman 17. And uh, I only I the most at, famous club in Israel, just so, for those famous, who don't know. <laughs> only, only the biggest club in Tel Aviv. Uh, <laughs> at, at the, and when he sent me the poster, I looked it up and I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is going to be a pretty big deal. Um, I still have videos somewhere, somewhere of people going absolutely crazy on the dance floor that night. May I please have them sometime? Because I will I'm either sure. overlay <laughs> or just put some snapshots. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so the party was, was a, a great success. A lot of people went to the after hours. Um, the party was... Uh, proclaimed by Time Out Tel Aviv as one of the most important cultural nightclub events of the year. Uh, I was, so. yeah, I mean, I, I ended up being mentioned in Time Out Tel Aviv. Um, there was a, another one. Oh, wait, I have them here as, as well. I will, I'll remind you one of them that can be a segue for later when it comes to the Folsom San Francisco side. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that's what prompted me because I knew back then Dimitri. And right after that party, I think it took me less than a year to go to Dimitri okay. and go, pay attention to Jack because you, Folsom, and Jack, Dimitri, Folsom, and Jack should okay. all. So I ended up being published in three different publications across Israel at the same time. I was in Time Out Tel Aviv, Penai Plus, and City Mouse. So um, my, my, my photo, and I, I still have the news article somewhere in Hebrew. Uh, of, I can of translate all if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, 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 like I said, the party was a great success. Uh, the people were left pretty much stunned as to what it was like i was stunned i mean looking at israel from the outside you think okay it's a religion state yeah. uh yeah. how, how is, is it going to be a conservative um uh, country what would they do with an event with you know such a liberal offering when i looked down from the booth i remember seeing at least at least 20 israelis that i'd already seen at events in berlin like for three or four years running before anyway. So it wasn't like there was going to be totally unfamiliar company. Um, there were people there that knew what I was about, that knew what the event was about and were having a great time for it. Told me again that 
the event was amazing uh, and it is a proof of concept for him. And I said, a proof of concept for what? He said, well, to start my own fetish event in Israel. So we talked about this and he said, I really like the concept of there being like a peak Tel Aviv. And it was either Irez or someone else in the group that was like, no, 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 no. But, but pig is not kosher. We had to choose another animal. So the name became beef. I, I remember <laughs> beef very, very clearly. <laughs> so so they, they, chose, they chose a kosher name for the fetish, fetish party. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Beef is now uh, one of the uh, foremost, one of the big forerunners in the Tel Aviv uh, nightclub scene. Still is. So, Still is. Yeah, I'm proud I to mean, be proud to have been part of it. I mean, times have changed, and their music policies have changed, um, but the the brand has always remained true to itself. Um, it's always been uh, the, like the sexier. Of the of the two other events that happen on any regular basis in Tel Aviv, so right the Oman, I would say the Oman is more on the inebriated side. Beef is more on the sexual side, and those yeah. are generally speaking mutually exclusive. Or one slider veers towards the other. Right, wonderful segue. Right. Uh, you and I had conversations in the past when it comes to the nature of, I wouldn't call it church but i would say the dance floor is very spiritual in its essence uh inebriation or not there is an element of connective community camaraderie that transcends a single person i think that's right. one of the beautiful things about gay cultures in general as a segue no matter which country you go to if you go to a bar or a club that's gay you're home um what can you talk about to that specifically with your experience because you create uh, the narrative. I, you, in many ways, you create I, the narrative. I, I create the narrative, and, and often I, I do my best to choose music that is appropriate for the event that I'm spinning at, because I'm, I'm very uh, fortunate to have always had one foot in, in the fetish world and one foot in mainstream nightclubs for as long as I can remember, for the whole 20, 20 23 years. I'd always played in both dance parties, but also in fetish events. So where um, it's either a mixed crowd with more mainstream music, uh, well, mainstream for me, but it's still <laughs> fairly, fairly underground music for other people. Uh, and then we've got the, you know, the tribal house and techno side for, for, for the, for the uh, fetish events. Um, they need to be kept separate. Um, and uh, for fetish events, the music is normally darker and more sexual because you don't, want to quite have like a hands in the air like happy dance experience because people are in that mood that are in that kind of mood are rarely in a sexual mood rarely so um separating those two types of music is is one thing so you combine them sometimes in a way that actually quite honestly from my perspective blew my effing mind up because it, 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 you managed to stay upbeat but it was sex positive and forward how do you strut that line? Uh, I, I, I think it's, it's because I've always had like one foot in each of these worlds, it's easy occasionally to transition in, in and out of one and to lift the mood. Because even if you are in a dark and sexual mood, it can still be a positive thing. It can still be an uplifting thing because, hey, you just grabbed hold of a, a hot guy that you've been after all night. That should put you in a good mood. A darkly good mood, 
but a good mood nonetheless. Absolutely. So uh, that, that, that's where uh, I think a lot of people come to fetish events for that personal affirmation that what they are or what they're into is okay. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That what they, they would like to do with someone else of their preference is okay. And if possible, be in a room full of other people doing the same they thing. Do the same thing. So, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> so um, I, I think uh, in, in that way, playing music appropriate to the mood is essential, no matter what situation I'm in. I will say something controversial. And I say that my experience, unlike a lot of my brethren in San Francisco, which is very much a fan of dark tribal, I've had a very hard time. And, and again, the controversial part would be like this. The background meth orgy monotone music never really did anything for me. Uh, in many other venues, and yes, you can speak your mind in a second, and I'm curious what you have to say. Uh, that monotonous thing actually works really well for people in sex environments because it comes, becomes more of a background uh, enhancer of sorts rather than a foreground element. And what I've seen you and I, 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 I literally odd over and over again is you do manage to inject a not necessarily just the not monotonous element of it. It's not just not monotonous. It also injects happiness into those moments. And I, I, I find it to this day striking. So a monotonous meth orgy music, why or how or where that came from? I'm curious to your perspective. And B, how did you strut that line in that specific environment? It's a sex positive, sex forward place. Uh, I, I think uh, one of the essential things for, for music in that kind of um, situation is to add some kind of emotion to what you're playing. Uh, for a lot of people that just want a beat to, to have their, their chemical fuel orgy too, um, that's fine. And to, for a lot of people, a monotonous beat is all that they want because at the end of the day, it stops people talking. <laughs> it does. I never it thought does. about that. That's, that's... The, the funny thing is that the, the, a lot of these people that become very uh, obsessive and single-minded uh, when, when they are influ under the influence in of these chemicals yeah. and inebriated um, tend to lose their ability to focus on anything other than uh, uh, one or two things in their mind. Either the, 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 the penis inside them and the beat, and then they're unable to talk because their mind isn't really capable of doing anything else. If you can occupy that one slot in their mind with a beat, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, kind of, this it, is the capacity. Uh, we add capacity. <laughs> it, it's that capacity. Um, uh, I, I think the, is, uh, the, the human mind is, is capable of uh, sustaining between, I think it's five and seven thoughts at yes. the same time. Yeah. Our multi-threading is limited to about, I would say, two active ones and about three passive ones. Two uh, active ones, yeah. three passive ones, and two subconscious ones. Yeah. Uh, so when people are on, on, on chemicals, particularly things like what you mentioned, yeah. uh, I believe the effect is that they're less able to effectively multitask it, it narrows down to less and less and less it, it narrows it down and and people get to focus because there are occasions when some of these people are, are not interested in conversation 
they're not interested in politics or preferences. They just want to get on with it. So um, for them, it's great. But when I've been spinning at these events, uh -huh. there are a variety of people that attend them. There are sober people that, that attend them. There are people that don't drink that attend right, them. Right, right. And, and you need to be able to entertain these people as well. So I make sure that the music has enough emotion and, and fluidity to it and versatility to it to ensure that everyone in the party does, uh, feels included. And kudos to you in every single party I've seen being or participated of yours, regardless of the crowd, be it sex positive or not, inebriated or not, take mm -hmm. all those sliders into consideration. You have always emoted the music. The music was always emotive. I think even when I'm playing, um, the, the, one of my friends said, uh, even when you're playing dark, we can still tell it's you. And I said, how? And they said, well, one of my fans said, it's, it's still warm. It's a, still a warm sound, even if it's a dark sound. Uh, and I thought, wow, I'm playing some really sort of, you know, almost <laughs> like nose, nosebleed German techno. <laughs> I'm like, this is really warm. Um, but, <laughs> it's all yeah, its own I, perspective. It's when you question your friend's sobriety and you go, <laughs> Yes. How, many, how, many, how, how much did you do? How, how did yeah. you do? But the reality is, is in our, in our culture, inebriation being a part of it, we don't need to, to dive too much into it. But even with inebriation, you do have a clear sense, senses being enhanced on any, on any beat alcohol or otherwise doesn't change it. There is a sense of, am I in a positive space or am I in a negative space? And there is a lot from music that can, cuddle you towards or nudge you sure. towards one or the other. I see in your music the warmth you're describing. Right. Um, I, I do see it as well. And I do try and portray that warmth throughout my set. Uh, one of my friends said that they can almost hear like a heartbeat going through the, the music, which was a very poetic way of putting Aww. it. Uh, and he said, we can always tell when you're on stage because there's this pulse that goes through the room and the pulse, we know it's you. Like as soon as you leave the stage, it's gone. Like we can tell it's gone from the music. And we, we, we it, it could be exactly, almost exactly the same music, but people can tell like, I remember coming off stage once and uh, a group of my friends gathered at, at the stage um, door to say hello. And I was like, how do you guys know I came off? Like that, that guy, the, the, the next DJ was playing a track that I also have anyway. And I thought, you know what? It, it, I would have sat there at the stage and not been able to tell that I'd left. But apparently, as soon as the other guy went on and I'd taken my music bag and uh, off the stage with me, my friends were there. They were like, that was a great set. And I was like, how did you know I left? <laughs> there is, so, there is, there is, there yeah. is your fingerprints on your, mu your music definitely carries your fingerprints. I, I, yeah, I can, I, I can honestly say that, that, I would recognize a set of yours, not by virtue of what you're playing, but by virtue of how it feels. About how it feels? I, Absolutely. I think one, one of my um, very distinguished uh, DJ friends said to me, you know, you could give two DJs, two totally different DJs, the same set of records, the same set of tracks to play at the same time on the same night, and both sets will sound different. I believe, I believe that. 
And he, he said, that is the power of a DJ. And that is the power of the DJ to, to influence how the music comes out to the audience. So, yeah, that was, um, that was an interesting uh, uh, insight into how, how DJs come across from their sound systems. I, I would imagine a lot of DJs don't, a, a lot of younger DJs particularly, don't put that kind of thought into it. But, I mean, we're living in this age of social media where a lot of them, I think, are chasing the fame rather than chasing the music. They don't chase their own voice, they chase the dragon of success. And that's a very, very different conversation. And please, that's actually a dark segue of sorts. We're talking about power, we're talking about moving audiences. Mm -hmm. We talk about your specific method or or even pursuit, passionate about pursuing a certain vibe and, and, and energy. We got that dance floor stolen from us by COVID and all of my entertainer yes. friends, bar none, are, are, are in one degree or, or actually several degrees or several depth of degrees of suffering. Uh, yes. And there is, there is in pain, I, I'll tell you from the consumer, unabashedly selfish perspective, we miss the dance floor dearly. Uh, and there mm-hmm. aren't enough Zoom calls, Google Meets Hangouts, or otherwise that will capture that 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 tribal camaraderie. And now I will totally give you the question: uh, What happened to you, power drivers and entertainers, and you specifically as a DJ through COVID? Uh, I think uh, different different uh, DJs have dealt with this in in different ways. Um, it depends on how creative you are. And this is one of the things about the pandemic is it, it really has uh, shown people, and I think it's shown each of us to each other as, as DJs, who and what we really are. Because the ones that are sitting there now just panicking over, okay, what do I do? I have nowhere to work. Well, I have nowhere to work as well. I, ha- I haven't spun a live gig since since March the seventh for for Darklands, wow. for um, uh, 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 Antwerp Leather Pride in Belgium, and <clears throat> you know one one week I'm 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 taking uh, I took six flights from uh, Palm Springs to Sydney. The whole the whole connection took four days. Uh, it was. Palm, <laughs> Palm Springs, wait, Palm Springs to LA, to New York, to London, to Frankfurt. And then I slept overnight. And then Frankfurt to Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi to Sydney. Oh, and so I, I took off on, on, on Monday afternoon and I ended up in Sydney on Friday. <laughs> oh my dear God. That was that literally the same. exhausting. That was like the second week, the second week before um, uh, the penultimate weekend before uh, the, the final gig. So it was that trip to Sydney for Mardi Gras and then uh, Belgium Rather Pride and then gone. Um, so during, during COVID with, with lockdown, um, it really depends on how creative you are. Uh, I've been fortunate to have had enough time and enough background knowledge of, of music to start working in the, the studio. And I've kind of gone into a bit of overdrive in the studio. Um, I needed to fill the gap 
not a validation, but to fill the gap of my driving force behind why I do this. And I do this for the music. Um, this is going to sound strange. I don't do it for the fans. I don't do it for the money. I don't do it for the fight. I just do it for the music. It's that that has carried my, my name, that that has carried my, rep my reputation. Even when the fans are gone, they're still going to be the music. So is it fair to call you a creator then? Well, I have been creating more in the studio over the last six months than I have at any other time in my career. Um, because one, it brings me focus uh, to something positive and it follows the belief that dance floors will open at some point. Absolutely. And this is looking at the, the, the nightclub industry in general. Whenever they do open, and they will open at some point in the future, DJs are going to start spinning again. With what? Oh, we'll be waiting with open arms for your creation. You'll we'll be waiting with open arms. I mean, people. I'm sure people will be backflipping cartwheels through the dance floor. Once I, they I, I, I don't think. We'll, I don't think a pill, powder, <laughs> or potion will be needed for the first right. party ever. For the first party, no, absolutely <laughs> I not. I think the reality would be doors open, balls to the walls, have fun. Have fun, um, but but but, but back to that... back to you. How does creation feel? I mean, in terms of all of your journeys in general are real time. Your journeys in general are, are, are crowd responsive. Your, your interaction in a creative level is, is temporal. It has a temporal sense to it. And here you are in a very, um, not, not, not clinical, but definitely more clean, quiet environment. It's not somber, but it's you. How does that feel now? It, it, it has shown me that I have there was some learning to do in terms of getting comfortable with myself on my own <laughs> I, oh no it's like I oh, am no, with I'm me I'm stuck in an apartment with myself for six months <laughs> who is that person <laughs> uh, that was the big question who am I am I going to be a DJ that will sit here and be miserable am I going to sit here and just flounder on, on what am I supposed to do next? Or do I bury my head in the studio and start creating something? And I thought, you know what? This isn't just creating it for myself. Because now that we live in the age of being able to distribute music very freely over the internet with SoundCloud, MixCloud, you know, whatever you want to call it, it suddenly opened up the opportunity that I could start creating more material during COVID lockdown to di distribute to other DJs. So if I cannot immediately travel, my music will travel for me during this time. And when the dance floors open again, this is my hope that there will be a lot of DJs out there either using or playing my music for the dance floors when they open. So that, that was kind of the, the, the thinking behind it. Um, it has actually continued to open opportunities for me. Nice. Uh, which has been a very exciting thing. During the lockdown, um, I tried a, a couple of uh, DJ shows, self-branded DJ shows. I, I did a Sunday techno mm -hmm. chip out, um, and I, I did a, a couple of circuit shows, but they, they were the traction and, and the restrictions on, on my biggest social network, which is Facebook, made it 
nigh on impossible to get any real traction. Uh, so I, I quickly declared my virtual world tour. And what that meant was I would no longer be doing um, shows for myself, which is what a lot of other DJs are doing. They're like, right. you know, welcome to, welcome to the me show. I'm on, you know, Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And that, that is how a lot of DJs are currently operating. That's great. I'm glad that they created something for themselves. For me, because I've always relied on the promotional mechanisms of the people that I work for as a touring DJ, the logical way for me to go about it was to move my touring into the virtual world. So the virtual world tour. So I've partnered with, I've partnered with uh, different organizations and events around the world over the last six months uh, where my name has popped up for events that are online, but they're based in you know, different cities around the world. So that's been um, really interesting because it's been the ultimate like try before you buy experience for, for, for certain organizations, uh, particularly ones that Almost have promotional like, without being promotional. It's the try before you buy concept. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually spin for them for, for two hours, which, you know, is a, is a reduced set for a, a reduced fee. Um, one really fun show actually that, that I can, uh, mention for sure, uh, was I will add in the link Mon afterwards. I would love to. Okay. Uh, it was in, for Montreal pride this year now, because they normally hire, uh, North American DJs, me coming in from Germany where I'm based now would have been financially out of their reach, but with the fee that they did have, they were able to offer me something that was uh, acceptable. I mean, okay, you know, I'm jobless right now, and I'm on unemployment. So, you know, but, any but, money but, is but value is value. But value, value is value. value. There's there's a bigger conversation when it comes to, especially when yeah. it comes to entertainers or people within the service industry that are having yes. the existential crisis when it comes to value because any food on the table is food on the table. Any but food I will on the table argue the table. that that retaining your value in this is a uh, a triumph. B. I, it's a valid conversation to have the discount of yep. course should be there, but not the discounting of all value or, or elimination right. of it. So I've, I've, I've come to, to re I've come to, to, to rebirth my, my touring persona in the virtual world doing the, these parties. Um, I, I did one last weekend for the first time in Manila. Uh, it was actually their, their last zoom party and they wanted me to be the closing party DJ. Um, I've never been to Manila. I've never been to the Philippines. So it was actually a really uh, uh, brilliant opportunity uh, given by a, a friend DJ um, to say, would you work at the party as well? And, and it was great. The response was actually pretty, pretty electric. So I was very, very happy about that. It opens my name up to a continent that I've not been to with any regularity over the last five or six years. So again, for parties, events, and promoters that are normally unable to afford me because I, I do have a base price because I do have, I do have to run this as, as a business. I do have rent to pay you in there. You are a I, business. I, you are your I, business. I, right. I, I, I have fixed costs. It's not like I can say, well, I can take this lower fee and then, you know, screw the rent. <laughs> I'd rather not be homeless on taking a party. Yeah. Um, that would be inconvenient and unfair. It would be slightly inconvenient. Um, <laughs> There are, so we've had those parties and th those will continue to come in during, during lockdown. It will be a global thing. 
Um, I do not foresee for the rest of this calendar year to be restarting work. So I do not foresee uh, taking any bookings until at least the, the New Year's Eve 2020. Um, of course, this is going to depend on a lot of factors. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and you know, wish for a, for a vaccine which may never come. I think this is going to be a long, uh, a long time. Without trying to sound pessimistic about this, I sure? believe it's not pessimistic. It's 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 realistic. I, I, I think I think here in in Europe we're in the middle. Of, well, we're at the beginning of the second wave now. Um, so I was just reading in the German news today uh, that our Chancellor um, Angela Merkel has announced new coronavirus uh, combative measures oh, no. uh, for for handling the pandemic. They, they're not as bad as they sound. Um, what it means is that certain regions or states that already have their autonomous decisions to, to impose restrictions um, will have a new set of rules laid in so that certain cities or certain uh, uh, states will get locked down quickly in order to stop the spread of infection towards other, other states. It's a very dominating uh, pandemic. I mean, this has affected a, a lot of people. I want to try so, to connect those threads because there is the element of the vocational path of you really can't do anything outside. And quite frankly, I don't think you would regardless. I don't think that I don't think parties are opening up in a pace in which you will need to go and, and God forbid, risk yourself. Uh, I think, go ahead. I think there, there, there are I think it depends on on uh, what country you're in and uh, uh, where you live. Um because here in, in Germany, actually, the, there's a, a nightclub stadium called the Land Access Arena mm -hmm. in Cologne, which is about an hour's uh, uh, by train away from here. So it's, it's about 30 miles. Um, they have been running DJ stadium gigs for the, last two, and a, for the last two and a half months. Wow. The last two and and they have been doing it with all the social distancing and, dis and, and uh, disinfection guidelines as issued by, by the German government. Are they sitting they in been... like little axes away from each other or what's the, the it's, 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 I, it's interesting I'll, I'll... that they're, they're not. What, what they are is um, when you buy a ticket to these parties and there was a gay one as well. Wow. Uh, there, there was a gay party that, that ran. I will, definitely, I will definitely you... tell me more soon. Okay. Um, so it's 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 run by someone I've already uh, worked for in Cologne, and he says everyone gets a ticket and they get booked onto a cube, and the cube is basically a podium. It's about uh, I would say ten feet by ten feet, and the podium, the the cube, is um, two and a half feet off the floor. No ropes, no barriers, nothing. So basically, if you step too close to the edge, you you fall off of it, right? So. These people have, it's, it, listen, it, it's, it's great. It means everyone moderates their drinking. They have a table that holds their drinks because it's table service. There's no bar. So people, um, bar staff gotcha. come to serve. And, and the cubes are arranged around wow. the DJ stage. Wow. I've seen massive stadium gigs. There have been techno gigs that, that have been. So it really depends on what country you're in and what measures people are prepared to take and compromise on 
in order to make their reality come back. I will apologize to my American audience slash United States of American audience. <laughs> we suck. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's uh, a lot of my friends from outside Germany have said, well, well, you know, German people are sheep. They just follow the rules. Well, it's because we follow these rules <laughs> that we've actually managed to afford to get to this stage of recovery already. Like, oh, no, well, science I, matters. Whoa. Come so on. Our, uh, our gyms have been, the people are going to hate me even more for this. Our gyms have been open since late April. I am building my summer body for the first time as winter is starting. <laughs> Just for the record. Our first okay. meal prep started yesterday, and this is the second week at the gym. And we have to schedule a day in advance. So there's, there's a few friends of mine that have been... I don't hate you. I just feel very, very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of my friends on, on, on Facebook, and I've noticed that they're no longer willing to take anything other than like a, a neck upwards shot, uh, like a selfie from oh, here upwards. <laughs> I have not posted anything belly worthy. Are you kidding me? My no, belly... No. I have a rule. I have a rule. If I cannot see my own genitalia, I am not posting a picture. <laughs> that's just the baseline if i cannot see my own genitalia looking down that's that's the basis so we we've we've had we've had the gyms open since late penis. april if i cannot see my own penis if i cannot see my own cock so yeah we've had them open since late april uh the the masks are um not mandatory but recommended uh hand disinfection when you enter and of course there's contact tracing um, so like I said, it, it really depends on what country you're in, uh, that people will be afforded different levels of, of freedom, depending on their level of recovery from the pandemic. Um, it's wise. It's, it's common sense. It's smart. Um, I have a question for you and I know we're nearing the end of the hour, but it's, it's, it's one that's near and dear sure. to me. You remember the whole Dimitri and the introduction to Falsam and how it came together afterwards and you did headline Folsom since then um when do you think it comes back when do you think our dance floors are coming back for us for the craziest ones do you, this is going to be a very unpopular answer you do realize that i i apologize for everyone i asked it um, i i i want truth and i believe okay so it's now the 29th of september right i think for most of the world, we're only halfway through this pandemic. And I, I, will, I will say that because there are, we've had projections in Europe uh, that the second wave, as it is known, is likely to peak over the next three to four months, which is December. So that's October, That's, November, that's basically Folsom next year in San Francisco. So on that note. Yeah. Happy post Folsom. Thank I am, you, you too. Happy I am, Folsom. One the, I, am, I am one of your biggest fans and I love you. And I thank you so much for staying a friend, being a friend and, and going through this. You were instrumental in a lot of my own internal journeys, both in COVID and in life. You know that. I, I, you're delighted. <laughs> I'm glad. You know that. But but let's let's the hopeful note will be that. Maybe it will be Folsom 2021 that we we'll see each other next. I think it's it's going to be 2021, and I think we're looking probably at the in Europe we're looking at least at Easter next year. This is going to be a fatal prediction, but probably Easter next year. 
I would imagine by the time Pride comes, 2021, Pride Month, mm-hmm. we we may be back on track. Oh, that would be from your lip that, from your lips to God's ears. But you know, that's that, that saying that Pride <laughs> Month is Pride Month is June. That's six months of that year plus the three months at the end of this year. That's another nine months from now. So that's. <laughs> Speaking of nine months worth of this, would you be open for another interview a month or so from now just to kind of catch up on that? <laughs> sure. I would love Sounds that. Good. I would yes. love that. So, you have another interview with me, like drinking whiskey and crying into the camera. I'm like, oh, I will change my tomorrow. coffee to a whiskey and we'll just move it for later in the day. It will be perfectly fine. Uh, this is Little Gay Guide. You're Jack, you're Jack Chang. I'm Ram Zakai. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, Take care. Kindly yours. Bye-bye. Bye.